0: Hey guys, uh, for those of you who heard Monday's episode with Jeff Jarrett, we, Dave and I announced on there we would be dropping this episode of and Stings Family video for free. Uh, we're talking to Post Wrestling's Mike Murray, of course, and uh, it was just a really good episode. We had a lot of fun recording it, and we thought, uh, why not just release it to the patrons uh, a little bit earlier than... Then most of you guys, anyone who's a member of the Patreon uh, would have already heard this a few days ago. Uh, But we wanted to release it for free, everyone here. Of course, if you're interested uh, in hearing more episodes like this, similar to this, head on over to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash PWTCast. And you can sign up there for uh, as low as five bucks. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, go ahead and enjoy this episode for free with uh, the one and only Mike Murray. Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Scrump and Stank's Family Video. I'm, of course, Scrump. And this is Stank. Stank, one of the movies that I've been wanting to talk about probably since I saw it, um, and spe- specifically now that we're doing, you know, like, horror Halloween-themed movies. has been Train to Busan, and I know you're thinking, like, oh, great, like, another fucking zombie movie. Like, you just this Shaun of the Dead, uh, which was you know when I originally saw this movie and people were telling me to watch it that was kind of my thing like oh great like another zombie movie like I'm I'm sure it'll be fucking fun um and then there I found myself like you know by the time like the movie's like uh you know in its third act I'm literally on the edge of my seat I'm like waiting and I'm just like oh no no I I know what's gonna happen because you know a lot of these, uh, Western movies uh, have conditioned me into, like, I know exactly what's gonna happen, and it'll be the best ending ever, and everything will end happy, and then I stop there because, uh, it does not happen, but it's a wonderful fucking movie, and there's specifically an episode of What If this season that gave me Train to Busan vibes, mostly because there was Marvel zombies, and, and they're on a train, and, uh, you know, funny enough, a- another connoisseur of, uh, you know of this movie was the one who wh and waiting had uh hosting it with them and he's someone who you know he's uh he's a friend of the pwt cast he's he's a member of post wrestling and i was just kind of waiting for i was like all right how can i get him onto the show like uh what's an excuse for me to get him on the show and once i heard him talking about train to busan i might have even mentioned it to you i was like we're getting like Murray on for this uh so uh, of course ladies and gentlemen uh the man who I'm jealous of because he gets to spend way more time with WH Park than, than probably most people within the, the post wrestling community, you know, ourselves by, by proxy, I guess included, uh, you know, owner of uh, BMV manager of BMV, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Murray, Mike, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Fanny- We're doing good. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah,
0: this is uh, it's, it's an earlier recording session than, than most. And, uh, we did have some internet difficulties, but we made it work. I'm happy we were able to, you know, get that t- together. And of course, like I mentioned, uh, you know, you're at BMV right now, which, uh, for those, for those people who are in order, what is BMV exactly?
1: Uh, BMV is a used bookstore company in Toronto. We have three locations. Uh, I manage the largest one, which is four floors on, Bluer Street, which is a neighborhood. Uh, Bloor Street runs across the city, actually. It turns into the Danforth uh, on the east side of the city at Young, Uh We're in a neighborhood called the Annex. We have four floors. It's full of used books, records, DVDs, Blu-rays, laser discs, some 8-tracks sometimes, lots of comic books. Um, old toys. Looking at a wall of pops right now opposite me.
0: That's the one right behind me?
1: Not the one behind <laughs> you. No,
0: no, 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 no. It's funny. I remember <laughs> almost every single time that I've been to Toronto, which I mean, maybe million like three or four times. Uh, everyone's always said like, "Oh, like I re- like oh, you got to go to BMV. You got to go to BMV." But the way it winds up being with uh, you know Braden Harrington and I is we usually him for you know he's usually pretty hungry for one reason me i'm just always hungry and then we wind up filling ourselves with food and just not going anywhere and not doing anything um but vmv definitely on the list of uh, of places that i want to visit um as well as like i mentioned you're one of the people that i wanted to talk to like uh you know past maybe like year or two you you've started to become more uh, involved with post-wrestling correct correct yeah yeah, and like I know you'll occasionally come on and uh, review. some Japanese wrestling was kind of how it started, no? Actually, I think
1: more so... Uh, well, I started... The first show I did was with um, Dan Lebranski and Wei, and we did a, a New Japan show. It was, I'm pretty sure, it was the San Francisco show we did, which is the first podcast I did. And then I did a few... I was doing Ring of Honor with John um, for about a year and a half, and then they needed some help kind of covering uh, the G1 one year. And I wrote the reviews for one of the blocks and did shows with them and, and the New Japan Cup. And it's been awesome. Like, you know, I've known John and Way for a long, long time. I've known WH even longer and to kind of just get a chance to hang out and, and you know, talk wrestling and, you know, everything else comes up as well, whether it's comics and things with Way, you know, some parenting stuff with, with John um, it's they're good guys. They're good friends and, you know, any opportunity to sort of just hang out and shoot the shit is good with me.
0: And now I guess the question on everybody's mind is, you know, the obvious one. What's it like working with WH Park? Because, of course, you know, WH has been on here several times. You know, we he had us over at a MCU later. And um I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of this. Sometimes he he, he tends to be a little opinionated, which I love. No, I, no. I, I love <laughs> W H speaks his mind. But what's it like, you know, having having to manage the guy?
1: Uh, I think the W H that you you have on a podcast isn't necessarily the same W H that you have coffee with in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, not to not to pull the the curtain back too far, but I, I we all project something when we're doing this, you know, of a little bit more of what we are or a little bit less. So I'll just leave it at that. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. I've been friends with him for over twenty years. Okay. So yeah.
0: See, I I I know that much and as far as he's a good guy because he uh before we've actually physically met, which it would have been when I met you as well, it was when they did the live show in Toronto, John and Way, I kept joking with him that he needed to take a uh, young bucks, Kenny Omega pose picture with myself, him and Brayden Harrington. And he refused. He said there was no way he would do it, but ultimately he, he relented and and the picture comes up. I usually around his birthday uh, is is when I tend to post it because it's just one of my favorite pictures as even then he's no selling. He just has his arms crossed, but uh, Braden and I are doing that young bucks pose. So, uh, you know, I got to thank WH for that, but I guess so with it being the month of October, um, you know, uh, how big is Halloween with your family? You know, like, is it uh, is it one of the the more celebrated holidays? It's number two. Okay, what's number one?
1: Maybe 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 one B after Christmas, right? Okay. Um, we have tried to stretch Halloween for at least a month to even starting it mm, celebration wise, sort of into September. I would say. The decorations went up a little later this year. Things have been a little crazy and busy and hectic. So uh, with my oldest daughter, Vivian, who is affectionately known the, as the Queen of the Sea Block uh, on post-wrestling, <laughs> she has been dipping her toe into the sort of next stage of watching horror movies and wanting to go a little bit deeper. She's, she's pushing 13 and... She wants she wants that next stage, right, but is a little bit nervous about going too far. So it's pretty awesome that I can share my love for this kind of stuff with her and give her sort of those. She has a good foundation with, you know, the universal monster stuff, a little bit of hammer, some of the giant monster stuff from the 50s and the steps that you're going to get to where we're. We're into the 80s slashers right now, sort of like the the early steps of, of quote unquote, you know, like safer early slashers.
0: Uh, Dave, as a father yourself, like, what what's that like? What was that like for you when, you know, when your daughter uh, wanted, you know, no, no more of the kiddie stuff. Let, let's watch some of these fucking <laughs> 80s slashers that, you know, everyone's always talking about.
2: Well, you know, I'll be honest, um, like when it comes to my daughter, I tend to let her look at stuff like that earlier. And I think that I think that's a function like my uncle, like when I was really young, one of the first movies I remember seeing was uh, Night of the Living Dead, which like really scared. Me. I was like really young. And then like The Exorcist, I saw really young and uh, I don't know, It it kind of like it terrified me when I was a kid, but like it also like intrigued me. And it was also like a cool thing to say. I saw The Exorcist, you know, when I'm like eight, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> so like for, for my daughter she was never really into scary movies um but um like I, she i think she's just now really getting into it like um like the Danny McBride uh Halloween she didn't see the first one but then when Halloween kills the trailer came out she's like I kind of want to start watching Halloween so we we watched uh like the original John Carpenter one and then uh, you know, the newest one. And then last night we watched Halloween Kills. So, you know, she's watched Walking Dead with us, you know, a lot of horror adjacent stuff, but she's never really been a big like horror person, which actually surprised me. Like when Train to Busan came out, um, you know, cause I'm half Korean and then she's always trying to uh, c- kind of, Immerse herself in the culture a little bit. So when Train to Busan came out, she really wanted to see it, and uh, it—it's actually—it's actually one of the only subtitled movies that my wife wanted to watch. And like we, you know, we watched it as a family. We cried, you know, like a lot of people probably did. And uh, I think this movie in particular really kind of wet her appetite towards that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know it's kind of speaking specifically with like Korean films. Like I, it definitely did that for me. Cause I remember watching this and we have a coworker of ours, uh, Jimmy. And I remember just like, yep. I think I, like I tweeted where I was like, Hey, can anyone recommend some good like Korean? And he made me a whole list. You know, it was like a two part tweet of like, you should watch this. You should watch that. Um, because that, that I, I think that was more so a thing when like parasite came out that a lot of people were like, huh, you know these uh uh people outside of America also make movies, you know, um which just like, yeah, everyone's making them and they've been making them
2: well, well well, I'll say what's weird, like I've had this discussion with Jimmy, so g- growing up Korean for the longest time it was uh it was just weird like you know there would always be like, the the stereotype that you know they they own convenient in marts L.A. and shit like that and then like you know there's korean food we would bring the lunch and it would smell funny to some people and you'd get made fun of and then you know fast forward to now i, I think there's been like a slow burn over the last maybe 10-15 years where people are really well, one south korea has really been stepping up not only their output but like the quality of their output And then, so you would always hear stuff like, uh, oh, the good of the bad and the weird, that's a good movie. That's, that's a Korean movie. And then, uh, you know, the host came out old boy and like, there were like these little nuggets that just kept, and me, I remember my, my mom would go to like the Korean video store and it would be like horrible. Every movie she watched had like weird, like harp synthesizer music and everything looked like a, like a soft shot, uh. Uh, soap opera, it was just really bad. So like now it's weird. You know, you could go into noodles and get like uh, Korean barbecue meatballs, and like Parasite is like to critical acclaim, and and now now Squid Game is like another thing. So yeah. it's been really cool to see like the slow burn of like Korean culture, and K-pop, another big thing, and, and yeah. it's just kind of permeating a little bit. It, it's it's weird to see, but it's also cool.
0: No, I I definitely get what you mean. Like to an extent where i mean like i grew up in a hispanic household uh which meant it was funny if you guys talk about like introducing your kids to this uh you know as as much as uh as as great parents as alberto and cecilia laro where uh there were many a times where we could get away with like this is rated r and we're gonna watch it because they don't they're not paying attention really what's going unless it's something over the top like you know violent or you know something sexual they probably won't pay attention but like uh we got away with like a lot i watched a lot more movies than i probably should have you know i watched i got away with watching south park the movie because well it's just a cartoon and they're not really paying attention what's going on in the cartoon um but like it was a thing you kind of like you mentioned like i mean to like a lesser extent with like hispanic culture at least for me but um like the one thing i never understood was the like the impact of selena like i was just like oh yeah like my mom listens to her music and now that i'm older i'm like she is to like uh like hispanic women what like kurt cobain was to white dudes like i I constantly like you know it's like you, you say what you want about jesus but don't besmirch the name of selena uh like as i've learned where you know i can't even be like yeah it's fine her music's okay because all you know then the the pitchfork and the torches come out where it's like what did you say about her um wow that's
1: that's fascinating i had no idea that there was like such a pull for selena like as a white dude in canada like i'm aware and i know the movie right but
0: I mean, as a Mexican dude, like, you know, in, like, Chicago, prominently, like, Hispanic city, I wasn't aware until, um, I don't know, just, like, as a few years ago, and I'm sure it's, it's always been there, like, so and it, so it kind of happens, like, with horror, uh, like, I believe Dave and I were talking about it, where it's, like, it's such, like, its own little niche community, much like with wrestling, where, um, you know, there could be a series of films, uh, that, like, a. Uh, this, I'll take the Saw franchise, for example, you know, like we could we could sit here and you'd be like, yeah, you know, they all kind of suck. Like the first one was good, but the rest of them like uh. and there is a whole community to where if they heard us say that they would look at us as, you know, lower class citizens as, you know, just these buffoons who don't know what they're speaking of because it's just it's just so highly revered to them, which is one of my favorite things, specifically when it comes to any kind of art, you know? Because you could sit there and tell me that you think, you know, Silence of the Lambs is, is the best movie ever. And I will tell you that you're wrong. And Dave will tell you that you're right. And both opinions are, you know, 100% right. Um, which, like, so I, I actually find it interesting because the, the kind of the connection that you and I have, Mike, is that we're both fans of these, like, mummy movies. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and like David I we talk at length where it's like like there's no way there's no way either of your daughters are gonna be scared by the universal monsters
1: right like actually I, I gotta tell you something they were both terrified of the first Karloff mummy movie like terrified really and it was yeah Vivian was like I wanna say eight I think when she watched it and you know the reflecting pool where he can kind of see into the past she was like that terrified her and still she talks about it and I'm like I don't get it like I, I I can't grasp it right but um yeah no they're not terrified of the the universal stuff but even when they were younger they were still like okay I don't want to watch the Wolfman transform right and we would have to turn it off but
0: it's because that's the thing where like Dave and I will talk like do, you know like do those movies still work like because they're, they're constantly trying to like all right we're gonna remake it we're gonna we're gonna redo it you know like they see the the success of like, build a franchise around it, you know, Marvelize the, 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 you know, universal monsters. But when you have like Chucky and, and, and Ghostface and Freddy Krueger, it's like, well, you know, like, are they really going to be scared of, you know, a mummy or, you know, a, a psychotic doll running around and like, you know, hiding in plain sight. And it's just, that's interesting to me. Though. You said that that actually did get them.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, yet later on uh with Nora who's my youngest and she's 8 now but the last year we were kind of going through the the later universal uh, mummy movies and she's really enjoyed them right and sort of this kind of continuing story of the uh, another mummy right that's you know ends up in the states and is like kind of down south in like these weird historical period films at the time and uh i think with when they try to do those like you know universe or like start like a, a a larger you know mcu-esque uh version of these characters it's like they they step too far away from what i think people really want to see like we still want to see the mummy wrapped up in bandages you know we still want to see dracula with a cape like the, those sort of iconic images but how do you make that i don't think that needs to be r-rated as a horror film right i mean you can do like a, a pg-13 kind of thing and and still have that sort of iconic imagery and find a way to make those stories work. I think everybody wants, you know, hard R and their horror and stuff, but you, you still need those sort of like earlier steps for some kids films, you know, that, that, that families can get into, you know, things like the Addams family. I know it's not technically a horror movie, but there's still aspects of it and kids love that stuff. Right. And they, if, if they see that and there's sort of like another step that they can take before you get to, halloween kills because that's a big that's a big leap between those two things um on streaming services at the theaters you know at the happy meals at mcdonald's i mean when i was a kid and and we had the lost boys and we had uh monster squad in particular right where you had all those sort of iconic universal horror uh characters kind of redone and a little bit more of an update like that was amazing and like my generation of sort of like mid forties, you know, that, that movie still resonates with us. Right. And we we all have like good memories of watching it, you know, being quote lines and blah, blah, blah. But
0: no, and I get that because there, yeah, it's like with horror in in general, it's like, sometimes I, I've felt with like, like in in kind of talking with Dave about it with like a lot of modern horror, oftentimes they try to go for like the shock value more so than telling like an actual story because it's easier specifically in this generation to be like, Oh, this movie's really fucked up. And, you know, just watch everything. And, uh, for, for those of people, I'm lucky right now, listening to the audio, we are getting a a nice little cameo from (laughs) WH park. (laughs) Shout out WH park. Um, yeah. Oftentimes I feel at least they just, they try to go for shock value and just more. So what can, what can they throw on you? That's going to be, you know, uh, talked about on twitter and and reddit as opposed to hey let's tell like a really good story because like at its core really that's what you should be telling
2: well Um, i i think too mike like as a fellow parent like i haven't even thought of it from that perspective but you're right like so often when, when you have kids movies uh like for instance we'll say uh I can't I can't remember the name of the the one with Gru in it. Despicable Me. You you'll have all these like movies that are meant for kids but like they're really winking at like the parents a little bit or yeah, you'll have like a regular horror movie and I, I think really we started seeing more like gore porn style movies like Hostel came out and Saw and that's not that stuff you could take your kid generally to see and then when you had like all the 80s slasher flicks it was always like camp counselors doing it constantly and like boobs are hanging out everywhere and you're like, oh. yeah. like it would, it, yeah, it would be nice to be able to take your kid to, I don't I don't want to say something wholesome, but something that treats it seriously, but is not like gratuitous in its, in its sex or, you know, I'm not seeing someone's spleen leaking out of his butthole because some guy stuck a hookup. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there, there should be a market for, pg-13 there's a little bit of cursing and stuff you know stuff to make the kid feel like okay i'm watching something a little extra but not like gratuitous not not pushing that limit of good taste where even adults are kind of like Ugh. and i think yeah i i think for some reason it's either a kid's movie that's that's trying to be a little too smart or it's explosive violence and like stuff that, like, I remember I took um, my youngest stepson to go see Ninja Assassin, yeah, and okay. he he was like, uh, I know it's not a horror movie, but, like, he was, I think, like, 13 or 14, and then, there, like, the beginning scene, there's just limbs and blood flying everywhere, and he actually said, I feel kind of sick watching this, and then, like, me, I, as a, me as a young kid, I would have been like, oh, this is rad, ninjas, like, you know, cutting people up, that's great, but, like, there, There is no intermediary step. There's like kid stuff, Sco, you know, Scooby Doo beats Dracula, and then all of a sudden, people are getting like their limbs drilled into chairs and stuff.
1: There, I mean, you have to look around for it for sure and not to pump Netflix's tires, but they have put a few things out there. Um, one I caught last year was uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like, uh, okay, there, there's a few you know, pushing a little bit of boundaries, but it's still, it's safe. Right. So you know, it's, there's supernatural creatures, but that sort of intense violence is not in that film, right? Or, or like um, uh, a torture scene or something like that. Right. Whereas, whereas like, say, Fear Street, I don't know if you guys have watched those on yep. Netflix, right? Um, my oldest wanted to watch those because she really likes Stranger Things. And I was like, you know, the actual violence in those films is way more intense than, say, the Friday the 13th films of the 80s, right? Where Jason will, uh, off with the head, you know, whatever it might be, arrow through the eye. But in those films, which seem to be aimed at, like, 12 or 13-year-olds, not at, like, 18 or 20-year-olds, the Fear Street films, it's like, axe, 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 axe. And it's, like, continually, continually. And it's, like, it's extreme for... I think what the target audience for those films is
0: specifically with those, I, at least I felt it was like the, the story is perfect for a 13, 14, you know, 13, 14 year old, because it's so easy to follow. But yeah, like you mentioned once it's like, Oh, now you're in a deli and you're going to get your fucking head thrown through like a slicer. And, uh, it'll probably, that'll probably be the least tame of, of all the, the kills in that. Um, yeah I, I i guess it just depends and like th- thankfully i don't really have to worry about that like you guys do because you know this this guy i mean i guess i was to say like you with my nephew but like i don't live with a guy and if he came over and was like let's watch some fucked up movie i'd be like all right cool let's watch it um so dave i know you mentioned you know you watch this uh with your daughter um mike safe to say uh, not not one of the films that uh, you watch with uh, the Queen of the Sea Block?
1: No, they have not seen it. Uh, but Nora checked out the trailer. We were watching it. Uh, she's watched it twice, actually. She wanted to show her sisters. So there's something about this, I think, that she recognizes from What If. Mm-hmm. Um, the imagery, the, the zombies on the train. But I think she's also intrigued by the fact that, A, it's a kid. Mm-hmm. right and what the story is and b she too wants to push a little bit of her boundaries right and she's she's grossed out and she's scared by the trailer but it's like i think i want to watch it you know and she's eight she cannot read the the subtitles that quick right so dad would have to read them but i also think like nah, maybe it's not you know appropriate for an eight-year-old maybe the 12-year-old can handle it but
0: so it's funny with so with this film in particular um of course you know we're talking about um 2016's uh, Train to Busan, which I wasn't aware of it until, like I mentioned, maybe about a, two years ago or something like that. Um, but I do love this. I love discovering that these, you know, there's plenty of movies like this. Um, of course, it's a, it's a horror movie set on a train for the most part. You know, they go from Seoul to Busan and at some point, there's a, a chemical leak at a, at a biotech plant and everything just goes to shit, you know? Our main character he's uh he's divorced from his wife and he's an absentee father to say you know it's i think it's safe to say that when he gets his daughter a a wee and she's like i really have one you know yeah. um and to to me to me the thing I love most about this story is that um one is it, the setting of it because it's very it's very much one of these movies where I can put myself into it where it's just like well which of these parties am I going to to choose to be with, you know, am I going to, to be the more reserved? Like, no, 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 we're going to stay in here, barricade ourselves, not let anyone in anyone out. Like, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Or am I going to, to put myself in survival mode and, you know, try to, try to get out, try to make it safe. Because, um, one by, by setting it in a train, I felt like, oh, okay. Like I, I dig this because, uh funny like i don't know how the train system is set up in canada mike but like david and i mentioned like at some point they're going to do an american version of this and nobody will be able to relate to it because uh if it's not like shitty city trains uh like there's like metro trains i'm like but i don't even know how many people really take those so it'll be one of those like let's make up this fake beautiful train infrastructure that's so easy for everyone to use and um yeah, like I, I you know, for myself, I thought it was really fun setting it in that scenario because you're kind of stuck, you know? Like there's really nowhere for you to run and you know, there there's always a trope of someone's been bitten and, and they're not gonna speak up, they're not gonna say anything. Uh but what were some of your guys' general impressions the first time you watched this film? Well Go
2: ahead. Well, well for me, um so I, I've been on a long train ride from Washington state to Illinois. I can't, I can't remember. I, I want to say it was like three days or something, but, um, this is when I was probably like 14. Um, so this was like, uh, this was an Amtrak trip. And I remember being on there and there was a friend with me and, one i remember how bored i was like there, there literally is nothing to do and nowhere to go um there was like a little lounge car and they had like a little dining car that we could go to um but yeah like if anyone's been on a train for any period of time you know how like restrictive it is and then especially now like in covid times you you don't want to touch anything and you know there's always some weird person on the train uh so it wasn't that much in this movie like that but those those trains seemed really nice but just the idea of being stuck and like if the train's going you really can't jump out because you'll hurt yourself and it's just weird it's it's like this perfect storm of different people from different levels and lifestyles and you know they're all faced with this common threat and yeah like what side what side do you go with uh do you sit in the train with all the assholes trying to lock everyone out um, do you form a gang? Like, I really do feel like something like this would bring out the actual character of people. And then, just like with every zombie movie, you know, there's that discussion. What would you do? Oh, I would do this. I would have barricaded that with all the boxes from the supply cart. And you, you think that, but like in the moment, it's different. I mean, I'll give a good example: nine eleven. How many people have you heard say if I was on that plane, I would have stopped those you know three or four guys with box cutters and it's like but when you're in that situation and you're confined and it's one linear path, like you don't know what you would do. you don't want to make the wrong move, you don't want to make it worse. So yeah, the, that's what made this kind of interesting rather than like most zombie movies where they're they're running or they're hiding in a building or something like this, there's really the train's filling up and it's pushing you towards the end of, you know, either end of the train. Um, I thought it was like a really interesting premise, and I think that's why, like, it was so warmly received, because it wasn't the same, we're stuck in a mall, what do we do, and we're the real zombies, you know? So, um, I don't know, I I thought it was a really novel idea of putting it on a train. So the
1: train in Canada goes across from one side to the other, and people will sort of take it as... Uh, a vacation, right? You get to see everything from the mountains in BC. You head all the way out past Quebec to the Maritimes. There's boring plains in the middle, but it is, I don't want to say elitist, but it is definitely aimed at sort of a upper crust vacation to do something like that, to see the country. More common would be you are in Toronto and you want to go to Montreal on taking the train. Right. And it's going to take me from downtown Toronto. It's going to take me to downtown Montreal, or I have to go to Ottawa. I'm going to take it that way. That would be a little bit more of a a common train ride for a few hours to get someplace for my generation or younger, let's say, right. The train to Busan I thought was really clever in that it was a great way to get, like you said, sort of all these different characters into one area. You know, you're, you're, whether it's not, you're not at a mall. So if you're at a house, well, how do you get other people outside of the core group, you know, that are going to see things differently or have different ideas, but also the layout of the train you, where, you know, you're going in one direction, but the train itself is almost like stages, like in a video game or levels, right. Where you can, yeah. you can still create barricades and blocks and get through, but what's in the next cart. Right. And it, it builds up a little bit of suspense. It gives you, you know, uh, a structure even within the train of, of the action of where you're, what direction people are, and the characters are heading as well. Right. And things to climb over and things to use that, you know, you're not going to have in a mall, but it it's almost handcuffing the situation as well. And the clever storytelling that they do in this, and some of the action shots are incredible.
0: I, I particularly like the, the other cast of characters that we sort of include along with our main characters. Um, you know, Of course, we have a man, uh, and I'm very bad with the names, so I apologize, I will do my best, but uh, Yoon Sang, who, it's him and his pregnant wife, um, you know, there's this like CEO, COO type of character who just, off the bat, you can tell he's kind of a dick, and really kind of only cares about himself you have of course the the high school uh baseball team and and the cheerleaders there's uh there's like the two elderly sisters there's the homeless guy that's sort of just stowed away um and you know i i think personally my favorite character is again that Yudin sang because uh he's just fucking awesome like when he just tapes up his arm and he he's gonna be in this next Eternals movie which I'm I'm excited to see him pop up in that but uh you needed you sort of needed this this sort of character you know because of course like our um our main character as as much as we can sort of relate with like the internal struggle of like he sort of comes to terms with like all right I've kind of been a shitty dad now but now it you know now it's time to shit or get off the pot and as far as like i have to protect my daughter i don't know what's going on but clearly something is up he's not the physical type so you know you were never gonna see that sort of like you guys go ahead i'll stay behind and fight off everyone uh you know but with the character of you of uh, yun sang definitely fits the bill you know again you see him tape up and just ready to start just fighting zombies you know like everyone else has sort of their weapons and stuff and it one of my favorite scenes is just that he is just resorted to just classic he's gonna go to fisticuffs with these guys and uh very much uh, you know very much my favorite character um I, i think in the film because again it's like you feel for the guy here's you know his pregnant wife and what else, what else is he what else is he to do he has no weapons aside from well you know get her to safety and then hopefully i can fight these guys off
1: i really yeah, like the ladies yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> i thought they were awesome <laughs> so uh, go ahead sorry yeah. well that, that, that one guy they don't actually say it but i think it's it's implied that he's like a wrestler or an mma fighter cuz like when we first see him he's kind of dressed like antonio noki <laughs> But, like, to me, like, just seeing him, like, one, he's one of the more tragic, like, deaths in the movie. And you kind of look at him, and it's so easy to take a guy like that and just make him, like, a brute and very curt with everyone. But really, he ended up being one of the most lovable people. Like, there, there were just little moments all throughout the movie where, you know, you could just see the kindness. And, and like, he could have easily fucked a bunch of people over at several different points in the movie, but he's like, come on, come on, run here, Let help me hold this door, and then it's just so sad when he gets bit, and you're like, oh no, and then you know, he looks at his wife, and they have an understanding, like this is, I'll hold it off, run please, and it, like that was one of the moments where like me and my daughter kind of were shedding tears a little bit, I was like, oh man, it, it sucks, because someone like that you want to see make it to the end of the movie, but if it's not for people like that, you probably other people don't get to the end you know
0: yeah it's yeah again it's unfortunate because it's and it's it's a trope with every one of these zombie movies you know there's gonna be there's the one character you're gonna get emotionally invested in and unfortunately you know if you're lucky if you're lucky you'll see them make it to to the third act um one of the scenes though, in this movie, because of course you know, so they make it onto the train, and that's when you know there's there's a woman, an infected woman, who comes on. She, uh, of course, sort of helps spread this this virus amongst everyone on the train. And you know, again, our main character, he kind of, based on on the news that they're you know hearing, he kind of realizes like, oh fuck, it's it's connected <laughs> to his job, which, yeah. in a scenario like that, you know when when everything is going to shit, the last thing you want to hear is like, well, it originated at BMV and, uh, (laughs) you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what happened. Uh, you know, he's able to use his, his connections to, you know, secure him safe travel for him and his daughter. But, um, one of, one of the most like fucked up scenes to me is when they, they make a stop at the, at the other train station because, I think the last thing you want to do, want to have to do, is, like, get off of this actual train. Because at at the point that you realize what exactly is going on, that train becomes your safe haven. You know? Like, the only time you want to get off is when you finally get to your destination that you know 100%, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, it's safe. There's no zombies here. The, you know, the the military is here. They'll be able to protect you, you know, but they they disembark and a lot of people are you know are attacked some are killed and, and then it's just a race back to who can, who can make it back to the train before you know it departs and again it's another one of those situation things where are you fast enough to make it back on there you know i see you sit there and internalize like oh yeah of course i would i would jump over that you know i would jump over everything and then those group of people i would just you know clear jump right over them but when you're in that scenario i'm like i don't know you know Maybe I see a group of zombies attacking someone and I'm just frozen, you know, stuck in fear. Um, But again, another one of those scenes that I kind of like, Dave, you mentioned it. it, I sort, I felt sort of plays on that. What are you going to do in that situation? Oh, are you really going to, you know, grab uh, everyone around you and rush back to that train? Is that really what it's going to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there there is a moment that actually we, we talk about that the executive character. There's a moment where uh, you see like the trains leaving, and the conductor looks out and sees that guy running towards the train. He's like, "Hurry up, hurry up, come on, come on!" And then he's like, out of like civic duty, he goes, "Shit, I gotta help this guy." And so he jumps off the train, knowing like if I can save him, it's going slow enough we can get back on. He goes to get the guy. And then he gets bit, and the guy's like, "Help me now!" And the CEO's like, "Fuck you!" And he uses him as like, like a stopgap because now all these other zombies are attacking the guy on the ground. And then he runs again on the train, and it's like, yeah. What? <laughs> There's this famous quote from Mister Rogers, Fred Rogers, where he says he saw some tragedy on the news, and then his mom reassured him and said, "If you ever see something bad happen," look for the helpers and so like i think i'd like to think that people would help more than be selfish um but i don't i don't know anymore like the way the world's been for like the last five years or so it's it's tough to say who you could trust who would say like me for sure i would be a liability i'm a big fat guy so like i'd have to rely on myself and my cunning <laughs> if it came to a point where we're in a group and zombies are chasing me, I'm definitely going to be the guy that falls down. (laughs) I'll be like, just go. But, um, yeah, like this movie was a great way to see like different groups of people and how they would help. Like, like the dad character, the, the one that's kind of a shitty dad, you look at him and he's not physically imposing. And then judging just by the relationship he has with his daughter, you might think this guy might be a weasel, right? Like, I, I don't know if I could count on him because his own daughter can't count on him to be present. And then he rises to the moment. And, and you know, we talk about the what-if scene. He actually does Captain America stuff with a shield. It was really awesome. Like, I completely forgot about it until, you know, re-watching it. Um, but I don't know. I'd like to think, hopefully, there's some hope for humanity that there's people that would be good and would help and would be altruistic like uh like the homeless guy he he does it a couple times in the movie where they're in the train station the dad's getting attacked by someone and he runs and he's terrified and he throws a coat over the zombie and he's like okay that's all i can do and he runs off and then you know he makes a sacrifice play at the end um i think it's moments like that that make us feel good when we watch a movie like these are people banding together um But I don't know if necessarily that would bear out in real life, like that. Well, uh,
0: how
1: do you how do you guys feel after this last year and a half, two years, you know, of society around you? Like, if there was something like this, I mean, motherfuckers won't even like wear masks. You know, like I got to argue with people to put their mask on, coming into the store to buy used books. Like,
2: really? Yeah, it's just it's so weird because the way people think now is so counterproductive to like their well being. Like there's like, I saw a sign, you know, on, on one of these Facebook groups, but someone had a sign that said, I would rather bury my family than have them live in fear of COVID. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. Like, so yeah, like now I can't trust someone to make a smart play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause people, people are picking weird Hills to die on over dumb stuff. Like, that it just doesn't make sense
0: you guys clearly Fauci is a war criminal and lied to us and this is all just made up by the liberals I don't see what you guys are talking about but no yeah it's it makes me laugh because there was like a meme that came out where I was like poking fun at uh Ozymandias from Watchmen where it's just like oh no that's you know like because his plan is sort of that like there'll be this big natural disaster sort of bring us all together as, as a human race and for the better man. And it's like, no, you know, instantly if that scenario were to happen, if a giant cosmic squid were to drop right now in the middle of New York, people would be oh, you know what? It was, it was, it was the Koreans. No, no, no. It was the Russians who sent in. The Russians would be blaming, you know, these people. And then it's just, it wouldn't, it'd be nonstop. And like Dave mentioned, like even right now with COVID there's so many, yeah, some people have these weird hills that they, you know, they choose to die on, and it's like, by all means, I'm gonna mask up, I'm gonna do what I need to do. But, you know, it's and, and kind of in, in speaking about that, we mentioned the CEO character who at one point convinces everybody else on the on the you know on the train that like we have to barricade ourselves because all of those guys they're infected now. Yeah, and it's like these people just stay. Th- these people have been fighting off these zombies like t- to help protect you guys and the minute that he gets a chance to you know isolate them from the group and you know turn everybody on them does it just like that like at the snap of a finger and there's definitely these types of people you know that that are all around this you know that we'd be like no you know they they i I think that you know in this scenario they would you know do what they could to defend us and then just like at the snap of a finger, you know, lock you into your own vestibule because, well, the zombies can eat you and they won't have to eat me. Um, and I like that. And I like that it's not, you know, just everyone on the train working together and we're all going to get to Busan perfectly because it does make, you know, for conflict. It does also make for one of the, the you know, one of the things I want to ask you because they let a zombie in to attack the other survivors, you know, kind of as like a, a fuck you. And like, how do you guys feel about that? Like, would you in good conscience be like, you know what? These people try to fuck me. So now here you go. You guys deal with this, you know, undead.
1: It's not the kind of thing you normally see in these films, which was uh, unique. Right. And original. And there's a lot of that in this, which, you know, like as we've seen, you know, the last 20 something years, like how many zombie situations, right? How many walking dead? We've 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 seen it all. So to have still something a little bit different, something new that you can add to it and be like, hmm, what would I do? But yeah, that's uh you're right. There is there is a lot of things where you're like, Yeah, I I would do that, or no, that guy's that guy's a dick. And and you can be you know every couple of minutes your own perspective on it can change, right you know I, I can I can see that guy being like, I just want to get home to my family. I don't care about all these people. I don't know what you, I don't know what you people have right And you know because during this you're like, you know when I say this I mean the situation that we've been going through right It's like, yeah I, I don't know what I would do. You know would I, would I be okay if someone was like hacking and coffin and do I want to help them out? Hard to say. Hard to say.
2: Yeah, I, 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 if I'm being completely honest with myself, if if I was in the position where I thought someone was actively trying to fuck me over on the train, I would probably let the zombies eat. Them. <laughs> especially, especially if I'm with my daughter, I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to get my daughter through here. Uh, I'm also, you know, aware and scared for my own safety but then like if i'm making the altruistic act and i'm like i'm gonna help i'm gonna help uh as much as i can stop these zombies from reaching everyone and i put my neck out and then someone's like yeah but uh all i care about is myself and fuck you like i think i would be mad enough in the moment and i'm not proud to say it but i probably would say, yeah okay Here's what's happening now, then, because of your actions. But it's just, you know, and then there's also that scene where um, the one older sister, she's just sitting there and she's saying she's just looking at everyone be animals to each other. And she's like, this is all shit. And then she just walks up, sees her sister, you know, says thank you, and then opens the door. You know, I do think there would be people like that that are just like, what's the point? Like, why fight? Let's just get it over with and then there's also the thought of how much of this is going on outside of the train like we're experiencing our own little horror movie here but it's probably worse outside and yeah what's the point if let's say that whole car full of, full of people that were barricading people out let's say they all make it out fine and now they have to navigate the world and they decide to stick together i don't trust any of them right they're all they're all either uh, non-confrontational followers that'll you know the same type of people when like when Nazi Germany is happening they're like all right I'll just go with this because I'm just going to keep my head down do you want to be with those people or on the other side you have the other half that they're all like yeah let's uh, backstab everyone so numero uno makes it out like that old lady's thinking I don't I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. Screw it, you know? So yeah, it's it's tough. It's such a big morality play with every single pot of characters and individual characters where, um, you know, someone's caring for someone else and wants them to get out, but also wants to get out. And then there's other people that are there by themselves that just, they're the center of their own world. And that's all they care about.
0: One scene in particular that like, I'm like, oh, I, th- this is the point in which I would fail. Like, this is where I would get up to, and then I would cough or sneeze or fart, and then that's where I would ruin anything. But it, of course, is when they're trying to get through the cart full of zombies, and they realize, like, if they can't, if they can't hear us, yes. then they can't, you know, see us. Which is always, it's always fun when you factor in when when, when they introduce their own uh, lore. You know, because everyone will do that where it's, well, no, now a Vampire, If unless you invite him in, he can't come in. You know, or it's, oh, no, 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 they, can, they can do this, but they can't do that. And I thought this one was an you interesting. You have to
2: stab them in the brain.
0: You have to stab them in the brain. Yeah, I, I thought this was an yeah. interesting one because it's very much a game of Jenga. You know, it's like, all right, at one point, is that thing going to fucking topple over and, and make the most noise possible? And again, just one of those scenes where I'm like, I know how clumsy I can be. I know how much even clumsier I can I am when I'm trying not to be clumsy that I'm like, yeah, this is this is the part where I'd be like, you know what? You guys go ahead. I'm gonna just do me and make so much noise that, you know, they'll come and consume me. Um, because, yeah, that is also one of those things that you never factor into. Like, can you, you know, can you quietly from one hallway to another not make any noise, not bump into anyone, anything because really, you know, it's not like, a, oh, Mike, you, you lost. No, it's like, well, now the zombies are, you know, uh, going for your throat. Um, just another, again, another one of those scenes where it's like, oh, okay, th- this is where, th- this is at my, this is at the the point in the game where I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm tapping out. Um But, you know, so as they sort of, you know, we see people on the train, eventually, you know, they do have to uh, get off of the train, there's there's a track that's being blocked by another train. Um, You know, we we see everyone trying to trying to make it over to a new train, we do have an unfortunate situation, you know, where some of the cast, you know, they're stuck underneath a train. And uh, we do see the the homeless man sort of give his life for everyone else. And, i i very much appreciated that because it's not like a negative portrayal of of, of a homeless person you know very much at least to me kind of i felt and it would have been easy to like oh this is the person who was infected and and sort of you know it's the reason and this like unwarranted hate for you know that like people have against like the homeless community but uh, again no another person who proves himself to be you know a good person despite his economic status uh you know eventually they, they do find another train that's working and uh it's it's at this point where you know our main character at this point you know the dad he's bitten and we know he's going to turn into a zombie you know he he teaches um the wife of uh of the man I I forgot his name, but you know the, the pregnant lady. He he teaches the pregnant lady. Yeah, you know he shows her how to operate the train, and then again to me, in one of the most fucking just heartbreaking scenes is, you know, his daughter. She's crying, and 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 you know he he knows he only has a limited amount of time to you know sort of say his goodbyes before he has to, he has to throw himself off the train. You know, as two fathers how heartbreaking is that scene in particular for you two that like, you know, God forbid you would ever have to be in the scenario in which you guys are being turned into zombies, you know, by, by the minute. But like, again, I as fathers, I mean, for me again, absolutely heartbreaking, but like, what, what was that seeing that for the first time or subsequently rewatching it? You know, how does that, how does that get you guys every time?
1: When you have to think about, I guess in that situation, like watching it, I'm like, how do you sum up everything that your kid's going to need for the rest of their life in two minutes or whatever, whatever amount of time you have, right? It's, it's impossible. Right. And you, I don't know about you Dave, but I was like, that was a pretty easy one to like, yeah, that's hard. I don't know what, what, what would the words be that you need to say to your kid whoever it might be whoever's the important person in your life that you know to carry them through you know the the advice the to convey your love for them how you feel about them how you want them to be and you know care about themselves and by the way i'm going to die in the next five minutes so (laughs) it's uh it's an easy one to to pull it like the trigger in your head of being like, uh, yeah, this is what I would say, and I would not have enough time.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. Like that was also, you know, it's it's weird. Like I watch a lot of uh, movies with my daughter, and there always ends up being like a weird father daughter sad scene, and we're both like crying. <laughs> like Logan was one of them. Um, <laughs> I will say like this movie. And there's another actual zombie movie that kind of tackles this. He has a little more time, but like Martin Freeman in uh, Cargo, which is also like a really great Netflix movie. Um, he's bitten and he's got like 48 hours and he's got an infant baby and he's trying to get this baby to safety and he knows he's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. It, it's one of those things, but like in in, in Train to Busan, as a dad, one, he's probably reliving all the mistakes he made as a dad. Like, I'm constantly thinking, like, am I doing enough stuff with my daughter? Am I doing enough bucket list stuff that where she looks back and she's she doesn't feel like there were things left unsaid or undone? And he's probably thinking I've been a shit dad. <laughs> and, you know, this, this inciting moment of the zombie thing really helped solidify, like in his head, if they make it out, I'm going to be the best dad ever. I'm not going to take it for granted. Uh, My daughter's the most important thing. Like all these things are probably going through his head. And then he knows now he can't fulfill that promise he made to himself. And so there's, yeah, there's, we don't have enough time, daughter. Here's, here's what you need to know. Please. I'm entrusting you with this lady. Um, And then there's the other thing, knowing you want to spend as much time as you can, which is what he was trying to do on there before it's too dangerous. And then, you know, to keep your kid safe, she has to see you throw yourself off the train. Right? Which is another horrible trauma that like now you have to you have to do that to your child in order to keep them safe. There's it's one of those things where there's no there's no right answer. And especially on the fly, in the moment with everything happening and everything that has happened, you know, how, how much damage are you leaving with your kid that you can't help her get through? Right. You've kind of just like dumped her off on someone else. And like, and I don't mean that in a negative way, like this is the, the only play he's got, but yeah, as a dad, like it was so heart wrenching. Cause you, you kind of think like, well, what, what would I do? Yeah. There's, there's, you have a few minutes. You got to teach her how to run this train. And then hope for the best, right? As, as your brain is turning into mush. So this is one of those things that, like, again, when, we, when you see a lot of horror movies, it's always like, oh, look, they're ripping that guy's neck out and chewing on his femoral artery. And it's a lot of gore and a lot of, like, body horror stuff. But they don't really take the time. Like, like how many zombie movies have you left and then... You know, as a parent, you sat there and thought, oh man, what am I what am I leaving with my child for them to be okay? Like that's just nothing that comes up during movies like this. So um it was like you know, between that and then the you know, the wrestler guy, those were like and maybe it's because they were fathers. I don't know. There's some about it just really was like a one-two gut punch to me in that movie. it, it really like the last scene is what sticks with me the
0: most. Yeah, and you know, of course, you know we see the you know the, the pregnant wife and uh, you know the daughter of her main character, um, Sue Anne, I believe was was her name. The, the daughter, you know, they at one point the tu- the tunnel is blocked just right before they get to Busan, so they got to walk through the tunnel, you know, and we see uh, military personnel. They're all they're all aimed and ready to fire, uh, but Sue Ann is singing. And so that's how they realize, like, okay, you know, she's she's not a zombie, and you know, they they realize that okay, they're human. They're checking them to make sure they haven't been anything, but um, you know, they save which, them. At,
2: which at, at the beginning of the movie, she had stage fright about singing that song. Yeah. So it, it was also another thing showing how much progress she made as you know she when you when you're on that train singing the song is probably like the least of your worries. So. <laughs> I thought that was like a beautiful bookend.
0: Oh, Definitely, I know there there is a sequel to this. I myself have not seen it. I don't know if either of you gentlemen have seen it.
2: No, I, I saw the trailer for Peninsula, and it looked like it didn't even look like the same universe. Like it, it was filmed differently. Like not all the new ones that they had in the first one seemed to be lost on the second one. Just you know from the trailer, so like. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want it to ruin the first one for me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, yeah, it's still sitting there in my uh, backlog. All right. I
1: haven't watched it, and there's an animated prequel as well, I believe. And I know the I sequel think... hasn't got quite the praise that the first film did, but, listen, we've all watched movies that we've been told are no good, and we've actually enjoyed them, I'm sure. <laughs> right? So uh, I'm always, I'm never afraid to, like, Go check something out when everyone else says it's
0: crap because try it for yourself, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we uh, all got different tastes.
0: <laughs> e- exactly. Uh Mike, before we get out of here again, we've been we've been speaking Halloween. Dave and I we've talked that nauseum of, of what we're planning on you know on wearing for Halloween. Uh are you dressing up this year or is it just the kids?
1: i'm not even sure if we're trick-or-treating like things are a little tighter up here than they are for you guys we still have mandatory masks um when you're shopping when you're out in public Uh, my kids are in school and they have to wear masks all the time they have cohorts so actually last year halloween was officially canceled Really, by the government. By the government, yeah. And and what happened was, is they a few people had sort of set up things where kids could go somewhere where no one was, and the treats were there. There was like a Facebook map of this house has this, this house has that. This is where you want to look for it. So something like that might happen. My kids are still trying to plan out what they're going to do. Usually, I end up. We were the scary house on the street, and we went from the scary house to the comic book house where we would give comics out instead of candy because everybody gets candy right so rot their mind another way instead of rotting their <laughs> teeth. uh and i we would you know the house is decorated the lights are up and i usually just do some you know spooky makeup so it's easy to kind of clean up and you know you're not too scary for you know five-year-olds and you know, you can turn it up a little bit more for the the tweens.
0: See, The government canceling Halloween would have been my villain origin story. (laughs) That, that would be when I would have led the revolution against them to, to topple them over. But no, I mean, at least you guys are being safe, you know, like, I mean, I know here in Illinois, it's same thing. We, you know, masks all the time. Funny. I went to like Ohio maybe a few weeks ago. And the interesting thing there was oh, COVID didn't exist. Yeah. Just wasn't a thing, you know, not a mask in sight, aside from the horror convention that I was at. Plenty of masks there, not the ones I was hoping to see. But, yeah, uh, crazy, right? Yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, it's a utopia. Did they just – it didn't hit They here. didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't get it. so <laughs> weird. Uh, Mike, it's uh, we've been really happy to have you on Um Definitely, someone we're gonna have you know have to bring on uh, for a part two, maybe along with your cohort, uh, you know, W H, uh, since you guys are so close in proximity. We've seen, we've been lucky enough to see them on screen a few times. You guys at home, not so lucky. But uh, Mike, if people want to hear more from you, uh, where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. at Scarborough Dad. Uh, I'll pop up on post every once in a while, and you know, hit me up on Twitter. Yeah, my, my not in the secret group though.
0: Yeah. Not the secret group. That's, uh, you know, it's, I, I almost feel like the watcher at times in that group because, um, again, with just how busy I'm at work, sometimes I'll like, oh, okay, I'm going to respond to this conversation. And by the time I get to it, you guys are five conversations ahead of me. And I'm like, well, I still wanted to talk about how much I love brisket, but everyone's having a, oh, you know, a full other conversation, but yeah, you know, follow, uh, follow Mike. And, um, yeah, you know, thank you again for joining us on, on, on this week's episode of, uh, scrump and stings family video, of course, uh, for scrump and stings family video, I've been scrump. this is stank. Thanks for having me guys. It's been a blast. All right. We'll see you guys next week.